to go and the toilets don't work. And the rug was plan B. The most popular new comedy is also one of the simplest and most earnest. Abbott Elementary has become an unlikely hit and critical darling, setting rating records for ABC. The series, created by Quinta Brunson, follows the faculty of a Philadelphia public school as they struggle to do their jobs with limited resources and in the face of administrative obstruction. She only looks after herself. I've seen her push students out of the way during a fire drill. True. So what makes it so fresh and popular? The characters are endearing, flawed, and specific. Janine's cool. Yes, thank you, Jacob. And she does puzzles. She knits. Just thank you. In a setting that's, above all, realistic. Even at its funniest, Abbott Elementary reminds us constantly that teachers' work is never easy, there's never enough money, and there are no magic solutions. This focus on relatability ties into Abbott Elementary's relationship with TV history. It draws on the charms and strengths of over two decades of mockumentary sitcoms. Like one of its key predecessors, The Office, Abbott Elementary at first seems like a pretty straightforward sitcom about a workplace everyone can recognize since literally everyone has been to school. But the series also pushes back against sitcom history by not offering escapist fantasies and not pandering to the wealthy audiences popular sitcoms are supposed to have. We want to be on TV. Because they are covering underfunded, poorly managed public schools in America. No press is bad press, Barb. Here's our take on what's so great and different about Abbott Elementary. There have been three presidents since this one, okay? It's an old book, so here's where I taped in the others. This is The Tape on your favorite movie shows and pop culture. Before we go on, don't forget to subscribe. And let us know what you're watching. Your support means so much to us. Abbott Elementary's commitment to specificity is what makes its characters shine. I, I just don't like pizza. What? It's not just pizza. I've got like four or five things that I actually like and I just stick to those. Crucially, the show manages to treat its characters as characters, rather than broad caricatures or ways of teaching lessons. For example, as an optimistic, even naive teacher and the show's ingenue, Janine is often a vehicle for positivity in the face of the school's challenging conditions. I don't care if you think I'm good at this or not anymore. I care about whether or not I can make a change. But even in Abbott Elementary's most sincere moments, the show always has some jokes at her expense. She wears orthopedics and she eats plums. What is wrong with plums? I mean... They're not exactly the coolest fruit. Reminding us that, on some level, the other characters don't respect Janine because she's often overreaching. You don't think it kills us to see those faces in the morning? What are we, made of stone? You're not the first person to feel things, kid. And even when she's good at her job, she's still fundamentally lame. How did you manage to make Stepin dorky? Somebody put on some good music. That contrast makes Janine an effective counterpoint to someone like Leslie Nope. Leslie's enthusiasm eventually proved too infectious for even her most curmudgeonly colleagues to resist. And her dedication proved indomitable to the point where it's hinted she becomes President of the United States. This is actually in keeping with past TV wisdom. Leslie, like The Office's Michael Scott, was strategically made more liked by her fellow characters after the first season in order to win over audiences. But so far, the rest of the Abbott Elementary staff remain hostile to too much earnestness from Janine. Why do you have to make such a big moment out of these apologies? You're wrong all the time. Which is both funny and more realistic feeling to how co-workers might react to a constantly overzealous colleague. Mondays are my absolute favorite day because that's when I get to come back here and see all you guys again. 
Fail. What? Fail. A key to making characters engaging is allowing them to have flaws. Principal Ava is Abbott's take on the classic TV bumbling boss like Michael Scott, Futurama's Professor Farnsworth, or Veep's Selena Meyer. More hindrance than help to her employees, it makes it often feel like there's no boss to organize the chaos. What's HR? But in Ava, Abbott Elementary has managed to effectively update and subvert the trope into an original and funny creation. Where most comical bosses tend to be overbearing, Ava is a principal who is totally uninterested in even being at the school. In the very first episode, she tells the audience that she got her job by blackmailing the superintendent. I go to the same church as the superintendent, caught him cheating on his wife with the deaconess. I needed a job. Like Michael Scott, she's chasing external validation. But where Michael cares too much about his coworkers and tries to force his employees to be his friends, Ava is fundamentally bored at school and wants to be liked by a larger public of random people on the internet. I've already been hurt. I know about every internet trend. How did I not find out about this? She views the teachers as mostly beneath her, as targets for her humor. There you are, Jacob. My auntie's dog needs her sweater back. <laughs> Got it! or low-key sexual harassment. Mm, you sure follow orders. Just doing my job. She's also more than just a recurring one-note joke or caricature. While she remains as goofy and image-obsessed as ever, over time her more positive qualities are subtly fleshed out. Ava's showmanship actually proves to be compelling and useful in multiple situations. I could get you a lot of views, and that's gonna mean a lot of supplies but I'm gonna need complete creative control. How many views do you have? 20,000. And it just went up yesterday. My wish list is almost totally full. When she inserts herself into Janine's after-school step class, she gets genuinely involved and does a good job of getting the group enthusiastic about their stepping. Later in the episode, we learn that Ava has been hiding things from the other Abbott teachers. She is definitely unreliable because she has a lot of superficial interests, but she also takes care of her grandmother and uses her generally chaotic personality and lack of responsibility to avoid talking about her family issues with anyone at work. She had an episode. We couldn't calm her down and figured it would help her to see your face. I'm here now, Grandma. This sense that Ava might actually take responsibility at school grows throughout the season. When Ava loses her blackmail hold on the superintendent, she is forced to live out a personal nightmare, actually trying to do her job. By the end of her confrontation with the school board, she reveals that she has come to appreciate and respect her colleagues. The teachers that work there are some of the most dedicated, hardworking, and creative teachers in this entire city. Still, Abbott Elementary rejects the impulse to smooth Ava out and make her more pleasant overall. She might grow and be better at her job, but she still retains the chaotic, narcissistic streak that makes her so funny. Let me see these permission slips to the zoo, and they better be real, because I can tell if you faked a Herbie Hancock. Oh, it's John Hancock. Girl, I know. I just say whatever I want. Also making it stand out in the TV landscape, Abbott Elementary stars a majority female and mostly black cast. By having such a varied cast of black characters, Abbott Elementary is able to make race just one of the many components of all these people's lives, rather than a singularly defining characteristic that puts pressure on the characters to be exemplary or perfect. It's precisely this that allows a character like Ava to be so deliciously comically flawed without it being some kind of statement about anything. Black? It's actually pronounced Zack. You must be Ava. As creator Quinta Brunson put it to the New York Times, the white shows got to just be white, but a lot of the shows with people of color were about the color of the people and not about the stories of the people. Or in Ava's words, Oh, I get it now. I forget that black people can also be annoying. What'd you say? Only two of the main cast members are white, and at first, they're the two broadest characters on the show. 
Jacob initially plays like a send-up of liberal white guys trying to be woke. He's literally introduced getting excited about being retweeted by Rachel Maddow and makes constant references to his time in Africa. You know, before I taught here, I was in Zimbabwe. I was doing Teachers Without Borders, and what I learned... Jacob, what did I say about, like, not talking about your time in Africa? Meanwhile, Melissa is embedded in Philly's Italian community. You Sicilian? Italian? You from South? Okay, you guys working with the cops because you gotta tell me. But flipping the normal dynamic of cliched diversity, Jacob and Melissa start out as stereotypes. I'm not used to playing in the mud. I leave that to people like you. People like me, huh? And are both largely fleshed out by their relationships with the series' black characters. Melissa's revealed to be a talented, lifelong teacher who shows depth and vulnerability through her friendship with Barbara and her moments of advising Janine. How do you and Barbara stop yourself from caring too much if that's a thing? Because it's the opposite. We care so much, we refuse to burn out. And Jacob is charming for the way he's always giving everything and trying to make the world better, often coming through with support for his friend Janine. We are totally friends. You know that, right? I know. If I were just your co-worker, would I know you like to fall asleep to Last Man Standing every night? And developing a strong rapport with the old guard teachers, Melissa and Barbara. You know what? They just don't make men like Sidney Poitier anymore. They, they don't. They most certainly do not. The makeup of the cast has had a ripple effect on the way Abbott Elementary plays with the tropes of the workplace sitcom, which take on different meanings when done with black characters. Take the growing will-they-won't-they they relationship between Gregory and Janine. I hope you stay. For the kids. Yeah. Okay. Brunson notes in an interview with the AV Club that the standard roadmap for this kind of plot often wouldn't work with black characters. I always say when Jim is hitting on an engaged Pam, I say that would never happen on a black show. His ass would have been beaten ASAP. By noting these different norms, Brunson and the rest of Abbott Elementary's writers are able to tease out distinct versions of the familiar beats that feel true to their characters. I know it isn't easy to coach someone who has the job you should have gotten. Yeah, well, it's a lot easier to say yes to things when you're the one asking. Well, we're actually too cool for school. In some ways, Abbott Elementary feels much more normal than lots of other TV shows. So why does that make it seem so special? In an interview with the New York Times, Brunson noted that the show actively steered away from being topical. Or at least, the watered-down version of topical we often see on TV. You know, a lot of people have no idea how to process gender individuality. And that is because every time we are represented in mainstream media, we have to be from some other galaxy. As she put it, People were tired of seeing their Twitter regurgitated back to them through their viewing. A lot of shows had started doing that, but people still want stories. Abbott Elementary strenuously avoids being caught up in chasing trends by instead being willing to be specific, earnest, and potentially uncool. When the kids at Abbott Elementary get into a viral fad, the show avoids using any real examples. Instead, it invents the phenomenon of desking. It's called desking. It's a new online challenge where kids jump from desktop to desktop. Desking manages to evoke past fads like the Milk Crate Challenge without dating itself through a real reference point. The show is skeptical of faddishness, superficial wokeness, and the impulse to suddenly change everything. Janine pushes back against the idea of replacing Peter Rabbit, a tried-and-true classic with more relevant books. What is your problem with Peter Rabbit? It's just been done. It's done 
for a reason. Are there even any bunnies of color in it? Just because a bunch of people like something doesn't make it bad. And an exciting new technology turns out to be a horrifically cynical corporate ploy. Turns out the software we've been using was invented by the Pennsylvania penal system to collect data for prisons? Prisons? There are some episodes that are more progressive, like when the teachers decide to get rid of the gifted program and embrace a more gifted-for-all setup. This way no kid feels left out. We consider all the intelligences they could have. But most fundamentally, the show has reverence for experience, especially through its teachers Barbara and Melissa who aren't particularly open to new ideas, but solidly know how to teach kids due to years of practice. Guys, I'm gonna count to three. One, two. And I am not counting. Sit down. Abbott Elementary's respect for tradition extends to its approach to being a TV show in the first place. In an interview with the AV Club, Brunson noted that Abbott Elementary isn't trying to reinvent the wheel. As she put it, I think tropes are important to TV. I know there's a crowd that goes, oh my god, we've seen this already. That's TV. You've seen all this shit already. It's all Shakespeare. It's all Macbeth over and over again. You just changed the wheels a little bit. While it may use those conventional characters or structures, though, in its details, Abbott Elementary gets originality through feeling anchored to a place. Whether due to the constant Philly references, or Melissa's love interest describing her as a... Philly 11. Creatively grounding stories in actual details like this is important to giving them a sense of reality. And the series was inspired in large part by Brunson's mother, who worked as a public school teacher in West Philadelphia for 40 years. I really credit my mom's experience for helping me to create the show. In fact, Janine's role model, the character Barbara, an established teacher who commands respect from both her co-workers and her students, is in part based on Brunson's mom. I'm Barbara Howard, woman of God. I do my work, I go home. I get my nails done every week, and I love teaching. So rather than the show giving us what it might think we want, Abbott Elementary is communicating what its writers want to communicate, specifically Brunson's enthusiasm for and knowledge of Philadelphia public schools. The season finale briefly raises the question of whether Janine will move to the bigger, more recognizable city, New York, something which seemingly everyone on the show thinks would be a bad idea. Taylor lives in New York City. Abbott Elementary's predecessors tried in some ways to be generic. The entire point of The Office was that it could be about any office environment, including the ones the viewers work at. But Abbott Elementary is about the experience of getting a window into somewhere you might not know in depth, but will enjoy getting to understand. Like visiting friends in a different city and hearing all the hilarious goings-on of their lives. Another thing that stands out immediately about Abbott Elementary is that it's accurate about the lack of money that plagues the school. The city doesn't always give us the funding we need for our supplies. One of the major driving forces in the series is the lack of school funding, which makes minor conveniences a much bigger deal and raises the stakes for plots that might otherwise be minor throwaway jokes on another show. It's a big deal when one of the kids pees on a rug or when the art teacher destroys the new copies of Peter Rabbit, because things can't easily be replaced. We can just get more books, it's not hard. It is hard, actually. Sitcoms are frequently unrealistic, even fantastical about money. Of course, there's the iconic Friends apartments that most of the characters could never have afforded. There are characters with seemingly bottomless pockets like Barney on How I Met Your Mother. Sure, he had a high-paying corporate job, but this made him capable of funding constant, elaborate, over-the-top schemes and sometimes made the series truly surreal. You have one room just for your suits. 
Parks and Rec had Ron Swanson's literal buried gold and John Ralphio's endless stream of money to fund things like Entertainment 720. I made my money the old-fashioned way. I got run over by Alexis. Having a supernaturally rich character around allows for characters to be able to keep up with the writer's imagination. But Abbott Elementary finds ways to still include the wackiness without a magic shortcut of unrealistic wealth. Its character most capable of hooking the others up is Melissa, who doesn't actually have a ton of money but is connected through her family's unstated mob ties. Being able to spot ops runs in the family. That's how we Shimentis got so successful in business. The deeper reason that characters on network TV shows are often rich is because the show wants to mirror its ideal audience. No matter how many people are watching any given series on TV, the most important viewers will always be the richest ones, since they're the ones who are most likely to buy the products that are advertised during commercial breaks. That's why the key demo in TV ratings is adults aged 18 to 49, who are thought to be the biggest spenders and therefore most useful in commanding advertising rates. In fact, several of the most popular and beloved network sitcoms of all time only made it to a second season by appealing to the crucial demo. The Office only survived past its first season because it was popular with rich viewers. Seinfeld was renewed after its shortened first season because it was popular with young men, a demographic coveted by advertisers. But in Abbott Elementary, these demographics aren't reflected, and there are clear reasons why the show's cast of characters are so strapped. I'd say the main problem in the school district is, yeah, no money. The city says there isn't any, but they're doing a multi-million dollar renovation to the Eagle Stadium down the street from here. These reasons contain an implicit commentary. There's no money for public school funding because our system doesn't value the work teachers do educating our kids. We see how hard the teachers work to support and nurture the children they work with, contrasted with how little the school district or people in power seem to care. And that makes the teachers of Abbott classic underdogs who we want to root for. My kids don't have half the supplies they need most of the time, but they don't need to know that. My students do not need to feel less than because they do not have stuff. Like Parks and Rec and The Office, Abbott Elementary follows people working in often frustrating jobs outside of the cultural and financial centers of New York and Los Angeles. But instead of digressing into fantastical escapist scenarios, Abbott stays focused on the school's constant threat of losing funding. Parks and Rec eventually made it seem like a dedicated official like Leslie can overcome all those petty details like funding and make real lasting change as long as they care enough. Abbott Elementary is more realistic. It presents skilled and admirable people trying their best in a world that doesn't support them or appreciate their work. If it wasn't your school suffering, it'd just be another. Don't be mad at me. Be mad at the system. This gives the cast a common enemy and something to struggle against, building a consistent foundation for the series. Don't give us the money because we need it. Give it to us because everyone at Abbott deserves it. Today, we're moving into an era where the on-screen workplace comedy is giving way to the workplace dystopian nightmare. These days, it would be harder to lightheartedly accept a new sitcom with The Office's premise. If I advance any higher in this company, then this would be my career. If this were my career, I'd have to throw myself in front of a train. Because so many people are increasingly disillusioned with the meaninglessness of their jobs and don't feel it's a laughing matter. Abbott Elementary manages to bring the workplace sitcom back into the realms of laughs and good vibes because it reminds us there are careers out there that do make all the difference. Even if finding that purpose means giving up a lot of the money and prestige we typically equate with success in the workplace. My dad doesn't want me to be a teacher. What? The teacher's the best job in the world. Lieutenant Colonel Martinetti doesn't see it that way. Does teaching make you happy? 
It could. Most sitcoms are about family, whether it's biological family, a chosen family of friends, or a workplace family. Abbott Elementary has a kind of work family. Work friends are still friends. They're just, like, friends in one place. But it balances the growing connections between its teachers with maintaining some of their boundaries. Did you get my email about the two of us hanging together after school, or...? No, it must have gone to spam. It's so crazy how my emails do that with you and nobody else. It ranges from a more sincere, sentimental story about the power of teaching to a dark comedy about the bureaucracy of the modern American educational system. The flexibility is the point. You never dreamed of just doing one thing? Sure. But a dream can be a distraction just as easy as it can be a goal. Abbott Elementary is popular because it differentiates itself from its predecessors in TV history while paying homage to that same history. People don't always need to see themselves on screen exactly. They need to see people they can root for. And there's also a ton here that's recognizable. Whether or not viewers are dealing with the same level of financial problems, they know someone who has, and they've all gone to school. Even a wealthy celebrity like Kelly Clarkson noted that she intimately relates to the show because while teaching wasn't her life, it was a part of her family's. The premise of them, like, kind of, yeah. the teachers kind of, you know, being against the administration and, and having yeah. to go through the guidelines, yeah. <laughs> that's real. Yes, yeah. That was my mom every night. It's a reminder that teaching shapes all of us into who we become, and there's no more universal, real, or important setting to think about in our world today. Just a day in the life of being a teacher here, you get used to it. If you're new here, be sure to subscribe and hit the bell to be notified about all of our new videos.